extending the laughs for the start of the show. Luke. All right, get your comment out of the way. Luke, Luke, number one, this is the worst time to be on Twitter, but I started thinking every time is the worst. Like, I joined Twitter the day Hamas invaded Israel. Or Hey, really quick, your microphone is low, too. Oh, my microphone is low? It looks like yeah. I'm redlining on here. No, not, not on Riverside. You're in like the low green. Oh, the, you hit record, didn't you? And that sometimes that does that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm like blaring here. Okay. It's like redlining on my end, so that means it'll be clipped if it if it if I turn it up any higher. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's stupid. Sometimes just, it's just, just make sure that you thing. talk in t- into the microphone. I oh my how the turntables have turned. <laughs> I know, I know. Should I act uh like a, an impetulant child like you always do whenever I tell you to t- <laughs> yes. oh, let me talk to the microphone, whatever go. Should you develop a crippling stutter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure I want to keep going like with this, but I I'm gonna stop because I would start to name names and that would wouldn't be very fair to people <laughs> in my life who have played important roles, but I want to make jokes. Jokes, jokes are fun. People love jokes. But anyway, it was the worst time to experiment with Twitter um, because it's like uh, seeing all the people that were like super excited about about mm-hmm. Hamas and all that stuff. I was like, I mean, I, you don't have to be pro-Israel or even uh, anti-Palestine in order or you don't have to be pro-Hamas in order to be pro-Palestine. It was just crazy. So I was like, I think I'm going to get off Twitter. That was day one. So then I just stepped away for a little bit, and then I was like, I'll write positive tweets. And then the whole Bishop uh, Strickland thing happened. <laughs> and, and then so he tried like, to argue now, with, like, Boomer Priest on Twitter. Well, it's, I mean, technically, when you say Boomer Priest, you really mean Younger Priest, because Boomer Priests are probably all in favor of it. No, no, no. You were arguing with this one person. You were oh, like, yes, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to die, and you're going to lose. And I was like, okay, buddy. Here we go. We're, who we're, who we're, was that? I don't know. It was some random guy. And oh, then, man. No, that guy. And that guy went JD after J.D. Flynn. Flynn. That's why I did that. He was like, aren't you like not a priest anymore? Should you be presenting yourself <laughs> yeah. as such or something like that? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was you funny. shouldn't be presenting yourself as a priest. He's like, we Vatican three priests or Vatican two priests, Vatican three. Uh, oh, so many comments. Boy. No, I just want to say this about this is the interesting thing that people don't realize about bishops. And I realize this as a speaker. Okay. Hey, okay. So keep yeah. in mind there are people who are listening who, who may not be as in tune with this stuff. As, okay. So as we are. the Pope after maybe six months or something like that of an investigation removes Bishop Strickland from being the head of the diocese of Tyler. For people who don't know, Tyler diocese is considered a missionary diocese because it's like less than 5% Catholic. Mm -hmm. And my prison that I do prison ministry in is actually in the Tyler diocese. I don't do anything with the Tyler diocese, but it's just in there and we have to get permission to go and do it. So long story short, the Bishop Strickland has been popping off pretty incendiary comments on twitter about pope francis which a bishop shouldn't do to me i I would just say you should write i agree if the pope ever says things that you don't like on a public forum where people where it is literally the point to get everyone wrong you should just instead say the opposite positive thing like if you think the pope is misleading or confusing then just say what you think marriage is or what the comment what okay so but what he did, I, I think he, he was super provocative comments, and which I think is unbecoming of the office of bishop. But regardless of that, when he was removed from office, I love this phrase is it for governance, which is so funny. It's like, well, we investigated his office. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure if you went into any diocese and investigated, you could come up with reasons for dismissal from government. That's why I was like, that was your reason? You're like, I mean, so uh, you haven't given yeah. anyone in your department um, budgets? And yet you yell at them when they spend too much money. What is too much? It's like Montana you're making Luke police. tear off MS DOS 
pages? That's a little weird. <laughs> That's like uh, when Montana police pull people over for speeding, but they don't have speed limits. It's like, well, there's excessive. And you're like, what does that mean, though? No, so so that was one of the things. But like, they didn't just come out and say like it was for his blatant comments on Twitter and his massive following, you know, whatever. But this is the funny thing that people don't realize. This is the speaker thing. So when you're a traveling priest, you are incarnated into a diocese because you participate in the holy orders of your bishop, right? So you don't have faculties all over the world. You got to get permission, and traveling priests have to do it all this stuff. And as a speaker, though the code of canon law says I have the right to preach the gospel anywhere, the vicar generals are doing their best to destroy that. Anywho, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But um, the so I got to get all these permissions. <laughs> bishops don't. It says unless yeah. you're a bishop, right? Bishops yeah. don't because bishops have the plenary of holy orders, and unless yeah. they're excommunicated, they're expected. So imagine you're a bishop and you no longer have a diocese that you're in charge of, right? So Bishop Strickland was not excommunicated. He's not. He, he wasn't laicized. He's not stripped of his ability to be a bishop. He was removed from the administration of a diocese. So now he's a freelance bishop. So if you think, if you think he went rogue beforehand, he's beholden to no one now, essentially. So, you know, I, I, you know, the question is, is, is he going to become this incendiary figure like the suspended Father James Altman? Who I watched his twenty minute rant. He's sweating profusely. That was brutal. What a dark man. Yeah. Or 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 a vegano who's gone into hiding and all this stuff. Or are we gonna get something else? Because I do think that he he tends to be a very prayerful man, Bishop Strickland. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he just doesn't really do much. Yeah. I mean, he's at the USCCB, but he's not walking into the meetings. So he's staying outside and praying the rosary with a bunch of people who are protesting and who are his supporters. So I'm like, I feel like I'm riding a wave of mixed signals. Anyone else? <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm in college and I'm in one of Luke's relationships. Yeah, I just clicked over to the chat. <laughs> Freelance Bishop. Band name. <laughs> uh, so, we have a sponsor. Which Ooh, is, we like do the Good Egg great, Fund. Yeah, it was a great time to bring this up after talking about that. So, anyways, I mean, sorry, do you have anything else to say? I, I, no, I no, really no, that was chat, it. It was so. just like. Just when you think you're like, aha, we've stripped him of his Episcopal power. It's like, yeah, now that's so now he just gets to be on Twitter all day. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? I and wish you would. Again, I, I mean, I know it's easier. Like, it's it's better to actually get into particulars when you're dis- discussing heavier topics like this. But my kind of approach to this is like, I don't really care. He's not my bishop. It's nothing. I I'm a little. I'm tired of the entire discourse surrounding the American Catholic Church. So I'm like, largely, probably in an unhealthy way, just like whatever. Like, just yeah, yeah. Back. like I just do not care. I, I think that's Is that part bad. Of I don't. I don't think that's bad. I mean, I I, I don't know ninety percent of who these bishops are that are meeting at the U.S. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, outside yeah. of like you know Father Mike Schmitz and Bishop Barron, they can all go to. Just kidding. <laughs> um no but I, I don't know i don't know and i don't i don't have a uh i think it's important not to have a dog in every hunt there's actually a meditation by marcus aurelius where he says that the one of the marks of a wise man is he doesn't have to have an opinion on everything and they hmm. tyler diocese is literally right now it borders hmm. my diocese and i go there often but it's like and, I, yeah which I is why that's a little di- like yeah. different for you yeah. you do stuff there that's a little bit you know and i've yeah. done events that he's at like I, the prison ministry event he spoke at and I went on right after him. I didn't talk to him or anything, but yeah. 
let's let's talk a bit about that Marcus Aurelius quote after we talk about about the good egg fun. Yeah, please. Making so every, the world better is our job. Let's get to work. Love it. I just I uh, I love Katie. Still don't know how to really pronounce her last name, Ravulikov, <laughs> but she she called me today because she spoke with Father Dan Dan on the Dorsey over oh, at nice. NCYC on her podcast, which I'm so thrilled to listen to because I just adore him. Father Dan Dorsey is a Glenmarian priest who is probably one of my favorite people of all time. And so, like, if I was, I was telling her that if I had to create a list of my 10 favorite people that I've met, he, he probably would be on that list. Had a profound impact on my life for the short amount of time that I was around him. I just adore him. So, very excited to hear him go on to her podcast and talk about the mission work that they do at Glenmere. And I, I'll be honest, I'm, I miss Glenmere. Anyways, yeah. The Good Egg, the Good Egg Fund. Gomer, what does the Good Egg Fund do? Oh, it's so happy that you asked. So, basically, if you find I can tell he was reading it's called a setup. <laughs> if you find a need in your community that is yeah, that is that is very specific and individual, they want to help you right where they're at, right? So the idea is they want to empower people to help serve people in need. So you you see a kid that you know in your life who needs a new pair of sneakers, what they want to do is help out that kid and buy him a new pair of sneakers. So they started this fund and people give, you know, $2, $5, $10, and they build up the fund, and then they go and, and provide grants for $500 or less to people who actually want to help someone face-to-face. So it's stuff like that that I love because you're not removing the person. Yeah. So I was trying to write a note in the chat. This is a terrible ad read, but I really like the Good Egg Fund, one, because I like the people who are involved, but two, I really – you're right. I love the idea that it is directly helping people, and one of the things that – they have a need for right now is they need people to give stuff to. So if you have a need, $500 or less, if you have a person in your life who has a need, if there's a group that you know that that has a need, this could be that your church baseball team, I don't know what church has a baseball team now, but like they got to go, they got to go, <laughs> I'm going to get the papers, but like, like they need to buy some bats or, you know, like there's like maybe you're doing some, some stuff with kids in the inner city or something and you just need some supplies this is a great way just to go in to get that so they want you to go on to their website goodeggfund.org that's g-o-d-e-g-g-f-u-n-d.org one more time for the old people in the back goodeggfund.org and you'll see a little tab on the top right called submit an idea if you have an idea for a thing to give to to give to or if you have a current um need you can hit that and they will help take care of you. So please go over to goodeggfund.org and um, yeah, give them some ideas. Great stuff. Super thrilled to have them as a sponsor yeah. on the podcast. Again, you guys gave them tons of ideas last time. Keep them coming. Show them what I'm Catching Foxes is all about. So thank you to Good Egg Fund for sponsoring another episode of Catching Foxes. Wouldn't it be funny if what gets submitted is stuff like, um, I was working in the inner city and I found some poor people who haven't seen season two's ending of Loki three of Loki. <laughs> and uh, this cannot stand. So we would like to buy them DVDs <laughs> and pass them out. I heard that Luke has a Blu-ray player now because he wants to start watching more hard <laughs> media, but he keeps forgetting to do it. So we want to send him a box of stuff, uh, even though he already bought for some reason at a Goodwill sleepless in Seattle. Argo, the I love. Listen, listen. I love a good romantic comedy. I want to fly up to Cincinnati and watch Fargo with you. I uh, I live in Dayton, but well, I got to go to Cincinnati because Dayton's airport. <laughs> crap. Yeah, just kidding. I no. totally forgot. <laughs> I flipped it in my head. Do you remember when we were at the dinner in Over the Rhine? 
Mm-hmm. And I used it was a, it was like when we started to actually like we actually started to make some money. I was like let's let's expense it even though it's just us. Yeah, and it'd be no different about business. Paid it with like ourselves. Um, There's a guy eating fire outside the. That's window. exactly I was, I was, the guy who was like eating fire outside, and I was like, Cincinnati's really arrived. It has. Gosh, I hate that but city so much. Number one, I want to fly to Cincinnati, Dayton. I want to fly to Cincinnati, then drive to Dayton, <laughs> and we need to watch Fargo together, and then I'll fly home. Okay, we we do. Yeah, yeah. I need to do that because I'm so close to getting platinum, and it resets at the end of the year from my <laughs> okay, airline. Actually, you do need to do this. I'm so pissed off. I was like, "What do you mean? I'm like 300. I'm 300 points short of hitting platinum." Okay, yeah. Come on, just yeah, yeah. Just come on. Yeah. It'll be worth it. Come on, come on. Uh, we, we could do actually. It would be good for us. You know what would be kind of kind of fun to do? We could probably what? get Father Kyle Schnepple to do this. We do a little like catching foxes retreat. Like kind of half, just talking about it, half prayer, half just like whatever. Have Fargo, watch Fargo. Yeah, yeah that would be yeah. fun. Um, I need to mute the Discord because I keep hearing this boop, boop. Oh yeah, it's not spiritual, t- but it's religious. I told yeah. them that we are here. I um, I got to go this last weekend, dude. Let me tell you, or not last weekend, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to um, Dickinson, South uh, North Dakota, Dickinson, North Dakota. And the other diocese, they only have two dioceses, Bismarck and Fargo. And I was in Dickinson, which is uh, pretty far west, and it's a mountain time. My phone did not switch over to mountain time, even though I was in mountain time. And I was waiting for it just to like auto switch and then make me late for everything an hour. Um, Tim Cook, work. I was like living in fear. And every time in in the settings, it would say like daytime and you could go to the time zones. It just had a spinning wheel. And I'm like, what does this even mean? I reset my phone. Anyway. So, uh, but incredible people there. So I spoke at the Wildcat, the Wildcats, I did it again, the Blue Hawk Catholic group, the young adult group and the Catholic young adults of Dickinson. And then I did a a high school presentation and then I did uh, a radio station, real presence radio, um, banquet. I was the keynote (laughs) and then uh, this is funny. You'll love this. And then the last thing I did at six o'clock in the morning, you know, the night or the morning right after the evening banquet, I did, uh. Had to get picked up at five thirty in the morning. We went and did a That Man Is You event, and it was awesome. All of them, all of them were off the chain. Saw one of our former household or not household brothers. Wow, uh, household rivals, Bobby Shafe, now Father Bobby. Love, love, love that man tremendously. Yeah. He is such a good man. He really is a good dude. His church, Saint wonderful, Winchester Loss, beautiful. They recently <laughs> renovated, so he came out to meet us, and he goes, "I'm like, Father Bobby, this is beautiful." And he's like, "Yeah, I wish I could take credit." No, it was the Monsignor before me. He's He's gone to two different parishes now, and he's like, it's your turn, Winchester And so he's, like, renovating it. And I was like, what it used to look like? And he goes, well, it's like a 100-year-old Czech parish. That oh, then those ra- are the best. Right. But then after Vatican II, they gutted it all, and they <sighs> wrecked it all. And then and then he, this guy came in, he's like, nah, this got to be sacred. And he rebuilt. It's very beautiful. Wow. Um, but Did it have a basement with a bunch of wood paneling that smelled like smoke? <laughs> that's what i did to that favorites. man is you event <laughs> it did not smell <laughs> like smoke it actually smelled nice but uh it, it did have wood walls wood paneling walls um but the the crazy thing so saint Wenceslas is gorgeous and but you could see the like 70s stained glass windows and then everything else is like this glorious like marble and traditional you know mm-hmm. artwork and symbolism and all that stuff and then mm-hmm. you're just like oh drunken hippies on lsd so i did i did these three events <laughs> they were drunken or, hippies on lsd <laughs> That's what we call our sacred artists in the seventies. <laughs> but like they're like the loser ones who like kind of wanted to be cool and who could only get jobs working in the church. Exactly. 
hey why don't you guys start a commune nah we're too scared but we just do stained glass <laughs> it's like we enjoy um simon and garfunkel but not cat stevens oh he converted <laughs> he went to islam we lost him we lost him man down um no but it was so it was such an incredible experience but to be there with with seeing someone from our class our mm-hmm. year um at franciscan be a priest and be an awesome priest and i went and had lunch with this um monsignor richter who used to be the the uh, vocations director and we had lunch at a bar called blue 42 incredible place um it's like owned by their parishioners but the the food was insane and so we're sitting there talking and he goes you know i I did the math and the math is you know x amount of people per seminarians have to enter every year and then Mm -hmm. of those two for their diocese two have to get ordained priests every year so you always have to have two people being ordained for uh for a diocese that needs like 15 priests to be sustained you know whatever but then he said so you just ramp that number up and up and up for however many priests you have and he's like for us we have surpassed all 11 years while i was the the vocations director we surpassed our goal of the minimum threshold of priests for replacement of of the older mm-hmm. priests mm-hmm. and and i'm like really and he goes yeah so in our diocese we will not have to close a single parish Every parish has priests. And so I go to Dickinson, and there are four principal churches there. There's an abbey about 20, 30 minutes away. But these churches are, they're all, for that area demographically, they're all like six to 900 families, six to 1,000 families, something like that. And they're all great. And the high school is great. And the, the bishop's like, I'm putting priests into the high school so there's a high school i think the principal i don't know what his title president maybe i thought it was principal but he's a priest and then they have another guy who's the chaplain who also teaches theology and all the lay teachers just love their catholic faith and they love the subjects that they teach right you need both right and the the kids are phenomenal like the whole school is phenomenal so i was like what do you, what do you need me to talk about and he's like well they're pretty good theologically i don't know what what do you want to talk about like how to share your faith and i was like no nah, just tell them prison stories so i did <laughs> antiwar.com huh Huh? Huh? listen kids every time a u.s president gets caught in a scandal they fire tomahawk missiles into a third world country look it up that's the facts (laughs) well bill clinton anywho how are you (laughs) Uh, (laughs) bill clinton man i would love to party with him so much um he'd pick up the bill said said the divorce one on the podcast um so Uh, too soon i've been waiting to be able to make jokes um <laughs> publicly uh, publicly privately they've been flowing yeah i just can i tell you one story this is sad should you be telling this story yeah yeah it's fine so uh two of my good buddies the word and um my buddy aaron from denver we have like this ch- chat group on where we like basically we'll send stuff from the Simpsons back and forth to each other that we find to be funny. So I finally told them like what was going on and they were like, they were so kind. They're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. We're praying, you know? And I was like, so I've been waiting a long time to send this. And I said, think of Milhouse dad, like holding the thing by the picture or like, Cause I was like, but I was already at a place where I was like, you know, I had by far like accepted. I was in, you know, so it was like, I, it was definitely like, Your Milhouse is dead. <laughs> 
but like my sisters immediately once i got the apartment stuff like was really happening they started to send me pictures of like millhouse dad by the race house car oh sorry but by the race car bed yeah <laughs> oh that's sad can i borrow a feeling yeah um i got that so, quote if you want you just let me know baby oh Marcus yeah yeah, yeah. so let's talk about that 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 quote how'd it go so there, there's a couple but here's the one of the more famous ones you always own the option of having no opinion. There is never any need to get worked up or to trouble your soul about things you can't control. These things are not asking to be judged by you. Leave them alone. Ooh. Leave wait, them wait. alone. Say the very last line. These things are not asking to be judged by you. Leave them alone. That is a great, great quote. Huh. These things are not asking to be judged by you, so leave them alone. Yeah, I put it in the put it in the chat. Gosh. So obviously, as a stoic, one of the the big tenets is the only thing you can control is yourself and your reactions, your response. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lie to try to live for the appreciation and attention of others, and it's a lie that you can control things outside of yourself. So what you need to do is realize that all of those things are distractions from you becoming the virtuous person. And mm-hmm. so the goal is, you know, like all of these things. Yeah, all, all of these things push us. And the, the other famous quote, I, I think there's three. I can't, I, I can't find the third one just in my quick little perusing. But the, this one I, I read the other day in my, in my own copy of Meditations that I bought from. Penguin. I've got it somewhere. I haven't. I, I probably read it like maybe five or. I mean, early on in the podcast. Mm. Mm. So it's been yeah, probably my first five or six, five plus years. So. Yeah, so here's the thing. And this is a great quote, too. The opinion of 10,000 people is of no value if none of them know anything about the subject. <laughs> See, oh, my gosh. That's, and that's, what's like, that's what kills us about right now. It's yeah. like we're just – listen, we're, we're, we're guilty of this, too. You more so than me. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> we don't understand actually what's going on, mm-hmm. and we feel entitled to – we feel like we should. Like We feel like it's a good thing. Yeah. And, and there are times when it is good to – have an opinion on things. I don't think that's what it's saying, but it just, right. I love the line that these things are not asking to be judged by you. And so I, it's, it's incredible. And in, in just a couple sentences, he like cuts through like right to the heart of the thing. He's well, a psychologist, and, like nobody business. I love it. Well, that implies that, that it's always a choice. Yeah. That actually, you know, and like I, this is the thing that I need, I need to scream, to, you know, to me over and over again, I think with like certain things is how much, that we do is actually a choice that we are. I, cause I feel one of my biggest, okay. So one of my biggest strengths, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very big believer that like quite often your biggest strengths are like your biggest weaknesses as well, or not that might actually might even be the wrong word, uh, vulnerabilities. And so that I feel such an injustice with certain things. I think I have to say something, but I don't, but right. I, I don't. Unless it's an injustice being committed against me or against a person that I love or I am responsible for, I don't have to say anything. And I, I, I think stoicism goes too far. Like as I, like I, I would, I'm never advocate for for stoicism to be a like a way of life to be in the way that Christianity is a is a way of life. But I think there's a tremendous amount of good that can be taken from that and applied in the right context. And this is one of those things. And I just work like here's where I'm at. It, it's going to kill me. Like it's going to kill me. Like it is going to, it is going to, I mean, I'm being, I'm being hyperbolic here, but 
it is going to exhaust to constantly have to be engaged with you. Like I, I just can't anymore. I just can't, you know, okay. Like take the Dave Matthews band. You know, plenty of people don't like Dave Matthews band. It's only because of the music and the singing and the, and the drugs and the terrible music. Like I I'm don't care. Yeah. I right. think it's great. You know, like it's, and it's like, why I'm not going to try to bot like before I would have tried to have defended. And this is, this is a dumb example, but like, it just doesn't like who cares like who like it just it's i don't they have an opinion on it i don't agree with it whatever yeah like like there, there's a lot of things i think that we in life that would be better if we just ignored it uh, a thousandfold a thousandfold which is why i don't watch the news i'm telling you my experience of of covid without watching the news was like mm-hmm. i was on a different planet from yep. big people because there was none of the fear mongering, number one, but number two, there was none of the of the us versus them of whatever us you are. I didn't even. I was just okay, whatever. I'm just gonna go to Costco. Oh, they need me to wear a mask. Whatever. Okay, put it on. Oh, you don't need me to wear a mask. Great. I'm not gonna wear it. I'm done. Like there was no war. There was no fighting. There was no anxiety all the time. The the world had enough anxiety without tapping into the rage monster. Um, the last the last quote I found it, it says, it never ceases to amaze me. We all love ourselves more than other people, but care more about their opinion than our own. <laughs> That's just a, it's a little bit different than what we were talking about, but that, that notion of the opinion and uh, and caring about it so much or thinking that other people should care about our opinion on things. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's one of these yeah. things that you can just acknowledge, like, clearly this is true, but clearly I live my life in the exact opposite you know, it's like gossip. Gossip is one of the most damaging things you can do as a human being in an office, in a church, in a school. And yet and it's one of the things that we, yeah. we just participate in it so easily. But we know that gossip is destructive. Yeah. Well, because I think one of the things that makes gossip so attractive is there's a feeling of, of being in. I mean, this is so blatantly obvious, Luke, for crying out loud. I'm like just being in the know, feeling like you, I'm like for gossip to work, you actually have to then place yourself above another person. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it because so the funny story about gossip, I had someone call me today that I haven't talked to in a little bit and they were just saying, they were just saying that they're another person quit at this, at their organization because their office was within three people who were very well connected who knew a lot of details about the organization, but gossiped through their doors, like their doors open and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, can you believe so-and-so constantly that this person that, that left the organization, she, she had her door shut all day long and people are like, that's unfriendly. You're not. And she's like, it's all I can do to not be poisoned. It's different from drinking from a poisoned well. This is like someone is following you around with a super soaker full of poisoned water and they keep shooting it at your face, hoping, yeah. to, hoping to kill you. I mean, that it's crazy. It's crazy. I've been at one place where the work culture was ripe with gossip and it was just repulsive. Yeah. Like it, it literally it got to a point where I hated I hated being in the building. I, I wonder what building around. you're talking about. I know. I it was I, not the Archdiocese. Damn it. Ah. Now people are too boring there to to, to to gossip. But but gossip, but gossip really is. I mean I and think about this, like opinion mongering, like we live in a society, me and my wife, were just downstairs watching Superman one with Christopher Reeves as he saves Lois falling out of a helicopter from the daily planet. It looked like it happened in real life. 
did not. But the 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 constant need to muckrake and the need to opinion monger is so powerful that when I, I heard, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name. He is someone I do not like politically, but he said, uh, he was like, the reporter tried to get him to answer something. He goes, nah, I'm not going to answer that. I, I literally have no expertise or knowledge in this area. I don't know. They're like, yeah, but don't you think it's kind of like, and he's like, yeah, I'm sure you're right, but I, I, I have no opinion on that. And I was like, wow, that takes a lot of discipline, you know? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Do you, do you, do you have anything? Are we done? Is, is this the end of, is this the end of Millhouse? This is the end of Millhouse. Everything is not coming up Millhouse anymore. Is this the end of our Millhouse? But, but my name is Millhouse. <laughs> pain only. Okay. Sorry. This is, boy. Listen, guys, 405 episodes. Okay. Give us a break. No, don't. <laughs> don't give us a break. There are some interesting comments. Ooh, here's a really good, very general question that I do like. How have each of us experienced the presence of God recently? Uh, what is this youth group? Yes, yes. For no, okay, I'll, I will give you one where I almost cried during mass. So was it a you know just kind of like having a hard time? And I, there is a priest here in the diocese in Dayton that I just we're just we don't I don't really care for him. He probably forgets me, but you know whatever. We just don't really see eye to eye. So I've never and I don't like going to his church. The Brock band is terrible. It's but they have a five o'clock mass on a Sunday. So you know. You know how that goes. And so I was like, well, okay, I can go because I was like, this is the only mass I'm going to be able to make. So I can either go to Cincinnati and drive 45 minutes to go to, to go to St. Gertrude and spend basically, you know, an hour and a half in the car or drive 20 minutes and just go to this church. My final, I'll just go. Gertrude you know, is drive, a small, it's a strong name, but go on. It's a strong drive, name. Drive the 10 minutes. And so I go there and the rock band is doing their thing. And I'm like, oh gosh, it's just so bad. And, um, but it's, you know, and, but it's like, it's good homily. I'm like, all right, father, that was good. <laughs> I'll give you that. I know. <laughs> was and it I, the priest it, you didn't like doing the homily? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it's always him. And so, um, there can be only one. Like, I, I mean, like, I know he doesn't, I mean, at one point in time, he did not unlike me. So, and we, they're playing some communion song during the meditation very loudly. <laughs> and it's the one where it's like, oh, wanderer, come home. You're not that far. Lay down your, you know. Oh, whatever. yeah. And I Lay like. Lay down your bird. Yeah. And there's like two huge screens in the parish. And there's like words coming. You know, it's yeah. just, it's a whole, it's like everything. And I'm just like, oh, 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 oh. you know, I will defend their right to do it to the death. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> and it just like the words. Oh, like lay down, lay down your burden, lay down your something. Oh, down like wanderer, ride. come home. Yeah. I, it just like cut me to the core and i was crying i don't know, i i could not like tears were coming down my face just because it just was it felt very like in the, in a, for the first time in a long time just church just felt like a refuge mm. and so that was um that was pr- pr- for me that was very because i was really i was having a really tough time at that point in time just oh dude like, yeah that's you know. crowder david crowder yeah yeah that's why it's sorry just, i just realized what it was because i was bringing up the lyrics and i was like oh dude because i I have no respect for someone bearing their pain. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You really don't. What a shitty podcaster. <laughs> Anywho, Marcus Aurelius says you shouldn't have burdens. Burdens I'm just should have you. I'm just no, no, but it was, it was just very like, it was humbling because the Lord was like, look what I'm going to use. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yeah, like 
it was just a good reminder of like, it just was a very strong experience of God. Yeah. So that was probably my most recent one that I've had that was like really just wow, like kind of like yeah. rocked me. Can I can I can I read it? Can I read the 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 chorus? What I think is the chorus. I mean, sure. Yeah. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh wanderer, come home. You are not too far. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart. Come as you are. Great. Love it. Yeah, I've always I, loved I think it. that part, especially about like you're like you're not that far. I think often we oh with we Matt Moore yeah. to these. It was written by Matt by Matt Marr with Ben Glover, David Crowder, Matt Marr. That's right. That's a powerhouse team of 2004. If I've ever heard one. So yeah, it was just this idea of like, you know, like, wow, like, um, you feel so lost, and then it's 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 crazy how God can just like bring you like right back in, and you're never quite as lost as like you think you are. Hmm. Yeah, you're never quite as lost as you think you are. Yeah, what what was it the said to me one time you're only one the worst sinner is only one act of repentance of being fully restored hmm. you know when you think about it you're one act of repentance right being yeah. restored to grace like the the catholic theology of confession is not that the sin is removed by the merits of our dead and risen lord but that you are restored to your former grace before the sin right so this understanding of like i come forward into the sacramental confession and i leave not just a new man but a restored man and the the prisons that like okay so here, here's a side thing with me so my lifelong struggle with things like pornography and blah 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 mm-hmm. have been been a part of my life since i was a little 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 kid when i didn't even understand what i was looking at right mm-hmm. older brothers older friend blah 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 so uh it's a story of a lot of a lot of people in their first exposure of our age, younger people, their exposure is probably by accident while looking up, you know, Teletubby videos on YouTube. And all of a sudden, like it's just the worst, but for one of the things that I never lost sight of was hope. And I think it's in, honestly, I think it's because of the way my mom was the director of religious education or small parish. We had amazing priests and confession was very important. And I remember the priest saying, despair is a mortal sin because you're saying a sin is greater than the mercy of God's forgiveness. And in our home, my parents were like big EWTN people. And I remember um, Mother Angelica talking about the divine mercy and she had something, some, some hang up with one of her own sins. And she had this whole story and people listening are probably like clawing their ears out because they know the story better. But she had this like image of a, uh, she's at an ocean and a drop of water landed and she threw it or the, maybe this is a Faustina thing, but they threw the drop of water into the ocean. It's like, find it. Now that's, that's what it's like to try to find your sin against my ocean of mercy. So if I'm a little kid hearing this and I knew like I had friends in high school, like girls who, you know, lost their virginity at prom or something. And they'd be like, I, I'm, uh, it's unforgivable. And it's like, what? Like that notion never entered my head. I think because my parents especially had such a good formation for me of that God's mercy is always greater than my worst sin. But the problem is when you're battling habitual sin, you constantly like you run to that sin because you hate yourself and then you hate yourself. So you go run to that sin. And um, for me, the, the big thing was always the virtue of hope. Like I never, cause when you struggle with habitual sin, you don't feel restored. You mm-hmm. feel like, okay, now I'm at yeah. zero, but you don't feel like, Oh, well, I, you know, I, God gave me my $2 million back that I had before I went bankrupt. 
you just feel like that. Like you're at any moment, you're gonna, you're gonna be in debt again. Right. And, um, I don't know. I just, I just strongly feel that one, if it wasn't for that level of formation and two, if I didn't understand what the virtue of hope was from a young age, like every verse in the new Testament that talks about hope is one of my favorite verses, like Romans five, five talks about hope and hope does not disappoint my wife. Even I love it so much. My wife, one time she had it, it made for me and framed this beautiful Christian Etsy, you know, shop did it. And she's like, well, you just love that verse. I'm like, how do you know that I love it? And she's like, well, you, you just bring it up easily. I'm like, huh? So I'm just saying all that because that restoration motif is now getting stronger for me. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. I can own that I'm a sinner, but also he gives me the grace to become a saint. And I'm just one act of repentance from stepping back into that life. And I'm a million acts of repentance from finally finding freedom. Right. And, and understanding this is like, I'm, yeah, this has been a part of my life for the long haul and it's going to be a part of my life to get rid of it for the long haul. And I'm, I have to somehow figure out how to make peace with that. Well, it goes back to the the conversation we had a long a while ago with Dr. Batara about you need to embrace your inner leper. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I mean, my wife says this all the time, like rings of a tree, right? Rings of a tree. When he said that, you know, it's like mm-hmm. your, your years, they don't go away. They're not the past. They're with you, yeah. but they're like rings of a tree. And it's like, yeah, I was six years old when I was exposed to this stuff. So that lives in a very central core ring of the tree. Mm-hmm. So that's true. There's a thing with addiction that, um, recovery that's really interesting where um, some people talk about um, like how much we make ourselves the um, center of our lives when you're like in like the in the depths of addiction. I'm not saying this is what yeah. like you're you're doing. It's it just what you said like would ring true, and it, and it just caused it paused me to stop and to think about this, like. <clears throat> so often we we don't want to we don't want to subject ourselves to anything people or institutions i think about that idea a lot like particularly with institutions and i'm like as a catholic that's oddly hard for me to do um <laughs> but i think often it can also be like i don't want to subject myself to mercy or to forgiveness or to the thought that maybe connect it's actually okay that i'm okay Mm. that even though like i have this thing that i'm trying to get over i am trying like that's how you get over guilt or shame you acknowledge the wrong and then you say but i'm getting better yeah and i'm i'm trying yeah and that's super hard Mm -hmm. it's hard to accept from other people it's hard to accept within ourselves because i think there's a tendency to kind of put ourselves and our needs and our wants and our often valid feelings ahead of that yeah you know it reminded me when i went to confession and i confessed pride and vanity and the priest said well you know you're making progress i was like do i (laughs) literally that's what i said in my head i didn't say it out loud i was like do i because I didn't feel like I've never felt more vain and arrogant in my life. And it was at mm-hmm. getting my feelings hurt by being passed over. And, and he said, yeah. And he said, and the reason why I say that, as if he heard me say that, the reason why I say that is because you wouldn't be in the confessional if you didn't, if you weren't aware of your pride. Like prideful people aren't aware of their pride, right? They're not. Like they might say it and pay lip service to it, but they really think they are the center. 
right? And they mm-hmm. should be because they're the most talented, the greatest of this, to that. And he's like, but by you confessing that, you're acknowledging like, oh, I, I really do see this. And he's like, and you see it mm-hmm. from the outside, outside of yourself as the center of everything. So, yeah. And, and it's it's super like the line of um, a humility, right? Like yeah. that's a really a tough one. Yeah, it's a beautiful. It's like it's it's a, it's weird. I agree with you. It's also relieving. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like everything proper in this yeah. right place. Desiring for other people's goodness above my own, provided I become as good as I should, or yeah. sorry, I was like holy as I, you know. That's a that I that idea. So, so brutal, has man. to go. Like I pray that other people become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should be, or, yeah. or something along those lines. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful prayer and a beautiful idea that that Lord help me like that others might be chosen first or ahead of me and i and i set aside yeah grant me the desire or what what is it what do you say grant me well, the grace to desire, to desire. yeah you can tell i prayed this a lot i, well, <laughs> I was about to say but, hey look at like Lincoln as americans this is super difficult because we're so individualistic and this is like this is well like this is all i'm clinging to is myself and it's super it's it's a bit of a it's a paradigm i'm shift it's, it's a change it's a you know if christianity is is a way of life this that's one of those prayers that like calls you to live to live differently and to question how you are how you are living Mm. so yeah also in addiction i think i've talked about this this idea before but in addiction recovery that there's this idea called principles over personalities Hmm. okay i I really like that and it's like idea if you're in a 12-step group uh you these are like these are the principles of the group and these come before you oh okay and principles it, over personality okay yeah um principles before before personality yeah it's like this is just because you want this or you like this or you you know whatever this is the principles these are the, these yeah. are the principles of this group and i really like that because there's there's something about um knowing your place which sounds a little bit weird that's a little bit like it provides us it provides a comfort and like hey this is i need to stick i need to allow this to happen to me i need to participate in this thing as opposed to like uh um i don't know just trying to do everything on your own it's, it's exhausting mm-hmm. it's, it, it's exhausting and sometimes it's better to just let something else kind of take control like jesus take the wheel and i like with and that's a very cliche term here, and quite often I think as as Americans we just I'm, I'm use it for please I'm let my life turn out well. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, which I is, still want to be in control. But... The sentiment, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like just enough stuff to be kind of right, but then totally wrong. <laughs> um, how could one? <laughs> oh my gosh, what's that? That's a line. Sorry, just re- <laughs> reminding me of this one line from like uh, one line from um the rick and morty show that i haven't i haven't been able to find how it exactly goes but it's so funny he goes man this this podcast like um how could a person be so be so bold and yet so vulnerable or something like that <laughs> i was like oh my gosh that's a podcast <laughs> um but just like really be like no i'm going to like you know like i don't know i, I think this is where like so and i don't want to get into the particulars but some of my stuff that i struggle with or when people are arguing about the liturgies or, or whatever that i'm like Guys, there's something about just letting go and just participating and being done with it and going on with your day. Now, maybe that that's a bad example, but applying it to the liturgy, but just like the idea of like, if you you know, perhaps if we just like allowed these rules or like these principles to come before our wants and our needs, 
anxiety might go down a little bit. Mm. Not a bunch. I'm not saying it's a cause of everyone's anxiety, but just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit of like, maybe hey, like, maybe we can just take take the edge off. Maybe yeah, well, but yeah, just... okay. I mean, take like the uh, I'm a uh, like ruthless elimination of hurry. That book from a couple of years ago. I think I talked about this on the on, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I, we, yeah, really, no, we did. We I to totally forgot stuff. to write that down and buy that. Yeah, but when like to not drive over the speed limit and like what that does to you. And my buddy who's in was just like. My day's just better, man. I don't feel like I'm in this like anxious rush. Isn't that funny? You just let it kind of ride. Yeah. You just let you just like I'm gonna follow this rule. I'm going to let this go. And it, you know, it's like just just something about that when you're just a little bit more kind of like this is this is one of the reasons why I worry about like as a culture we continually we start to forget or don't see a place for it, or don't even think about things like manners. Mm. It just uh there's a comfort in knowing what you're supposed to do in a given um situation and not having to think your way through everything. Yeah. So on a totally unrelated note, there's a question here that I kind of liked that it made me think about a thing from grad school that I think is and just for some um works that I think is kind of interesting. Care if I ask it? Please. Totally. This is like a hard right turn. If you want to stay on this for a bit, we can. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've exhausted my, uh, my exhibitionist uh, ways. I've unburdened my heart to enough vulnerability for now for now. So Nat asked two things. One, what are you reading lately? Gomer, what are you reading? Anything good? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, I love the stuff I'm reading. I don't know if you will. (laughs) Don't be so, don't do that. Oh, Oh, Luke, every time I bring it up, you're like, Oh, here we go again. No, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm reading. I got it right here. Okay, besides Marcus Aurelius's meditation. I mean, you do tend to go on 30-minute monologues about this oh, stuff. But. <laughs> so one is <laughs> but I do want to this. Hear Catholic evidence. Catholic evidence training outlines. So he had a guild for street preachers. Not street preachers, but park preachers who's, in who, Hyde Park. Who's he? Frank Sheed, author of Theology for Beginners, Theology and Sanity, Roadmap, A Map for Life. I own all of his books. They are delicious. Um, but then uh, with that, I started reading this book, The Catholic Verses, because I'm trying to tackle. So it's one of these things where I am writing an apologetics thing for the prison. And I have to keep it at a fourth, fifth grade level. So my first chapter that I love is called What is a Protestant? Right. And so the point of the book is to show you like there's no such thing as the Protestant view or the Protestant church. There are some things that you can kind of get a handle on, but progressive Protestant Christianity throws most most of those things that are common denominators out the window anyway. So the point of the book is for Catholics and Protestants to better understand each other and to better understand the Catholic position, obviously. And so I'm trying to hit on this fundamental thing. What is the church? What are you, church? And it's cool looking at it from a apologetic way and how they argue but i'm not as even though i'm doing an apologetic book i i love to get behind it right so it's like when Mm. when a protestant argues Mm -hmm. sola scriptura there's a really great guy his name's dr gavin ortland he's a baptist teacher and and preacher and pastor he's been on like pints with aquinas and trent horns podcast but he's just a really good man and he argues his position. He uses 
a lot of history. He'll quote church fathers. You know, he's not afraid of any of that stuff. He's not just some guy who's sitting out in the outside just being like, no, you're not quoting the Bible. Who cares about Augustine, right? Like, he takes this stuff deeply seriously. And he's a very thoughtful man. But when I am, and not but, and when I hear him argue for Sola Scriptura, to me, he offers a more compelling case than I think most of the others do because he's summarizing them because he's so studious. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you just, I, I, I find these arguments are so they fall short so much, right? Because you, you just say, like, to me, the Sola Scriptura argument is, yeah, you can't even make that as an argument for 50, until the printing press was invented, until you have widespread literacy. If no one owned a Bible because it costs a year's salary of a professional, no one's going to have access to this in order to interpret it for him or herself and come to their own reasoned conclusions and blah, blah, blah. Like, no one owned the New Testament for hundreds of years. There was no book called the New Testament for hundreds of years until the council declared it. Like, these are the books of the New Testament. So mm -hmm. it's interesting. Like, so I think about that. But the thing that interests me is then when you hear a lot of their arguments, you then sit there and you say, okay, well, how can I, like, how, like, do I need to go more meta? Do I need to go more historical? Do you need to? And it's mm -hmm. like, how can I reason, like, get in underneath them? Right. So I'm reading apologetics works because I'm trying to finish my apologetics prison manual book. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I, I do like apologetics. I think, I think it's, I think it can be like super fascinating. It's super fascinating and it can also be dominating. So you need to balance it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, did I talk about the MCU book that I am reading? You had mentioned it. Yeah. So I'm reading a really great book on the M on the MCU some call like the rise and the reign of uh, Marvel Studios. It's by a bunch of um, they're all podcasters slash journalists who actually are like real journalists. And it's a really, really fascinating book on just how it all came came together. Maybe probably about two thirds way through, um, just got through the part of uh, Edgar Wright and stuff with Ant Man. Not quite as dicey as like as people tend to think it is. And super interesting also to hear about how much of like the old because so you how much of what Kevin Feige was doing with the MCU would be subject to the head of Marvel people trying to intervene. And those were causing a lot of problems. Hmm. And they got rid of those. I think that's one of the reasons why you see such a strong flourish with phase three. But then also the influence of Joss Whedon on Phase 2 and on Phase 3 in particularly is pretty strong. Because he came in to do Avengers 2. Well, and he did a lot of like rewrites and a lot like, you know, he really helped James Gunn flesh out some of, not like the ideas per se, but like kind of, it's it's just, it's interesting to see how much of the MCU really is. I mean, this is true for all film, but really is a group effort. So Peter Quill is one of the best parts of Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's actually James Gunn. Joss Whedon, who goes to James Gunn, is like, hey, you don't have a good character here yet. And he's missing uh, like A, B, and C. And James Gunn was like, oh, shit, yeah, you're right. It's like <laughs> they were like, I'm good buds. It's, it's actually Joss Whedon who got James Gunn in on nice. the MCU. And so like, I worry about the loss of like a person like him. So as much as like Kevin Feige is like, so it's, it's, it's really fascinating too because Kevin Feige is clearly everything is a Kevin um, Feige production. And if you stretch him too thin, the quality starts to um, suffer because he's the one who yeah. kind of holds the MCU. When I say like vision of it, I mean the experience of an MCU story. 
And he's so character oriented, which is why so many of these stories tend to um, work. And there's a lot of different things here that makes the MCU the MCU. And it's just, it's fascinating to see all those little, because I think a lot of people seem to critique like Edgar Wright left because he had to expand the universe or, and it really wasn't, it didn't seem like that was really the big issue. It was more of the interference of the Marvel studio of, sorry, of the head of Marvel. Those people were the ones who were causing the most problems a lot of a lot of the executive notes oh and if edgar wright had come in after the fact it may not have been as quite as nuts okay and so i think edgar right now would probably make his particularly right now with what a marvel's doing they could you'd, you'd get a solid edgar wright ant-man film which i still kind of want to see and then the thing that i didn't really understand was how much like so one of the reasons like how marvel works how they've built a strategic fit is they do all of all of the vfx stuff is pretty much already mapped out yeah so as a director you have very little to do with that so in the avengers film a lot of people praise joss wheaton for that end battle scene and he definitely contributes to that, but like a, he had never done a battle on scene before on that scale or really on any sort of large scale. That's all the MCU. It's all like they're technical people and they're pre like some, sorry, sometimes they have it all done before the film even starts. Really? Like, yeah, like they have, I mean, they wow. map that all out and they've done all and they just need to add, you know, change some stuff and whatever, but it's like, it's, it's almost kind of done. And there are pros and cons, like that allows them to work so fast on, on okay. this stuff. And so, but that can, that can create a little bit of attention when you have, have a director that wants to do his or her own thing. But a lot of the tension really seems to come from, it's not really trying to fit it all in, although I think that is part of it. Hmm. It seems it's more about like, this is like, these films have to follow a certain thing and you can't just like, it seemed like, like a lot of past inner, like a lot of the past stuff was a really big problem with people, um, with like the, like with the main executives and that sorry interfering and stuff yeah and then sorry i just screwed up my computer i hope you can still hear me yeah no you're fine okay sorry and then one of the big problems over the past couple of years has been kevin feige just being too stretched Mm. and we lose you lose like a singular you like lose kind of his voice his his like oversight his input it kind of everything just gets kind of like muddled and lost and i think they made a mistake when trying to bring in high quality directors okay who weren't really comic book fans to be honest i think the mcu has a joss wheaton problem they need a creative in there who's a storyteller and a director who is a comic book nerd Mm. and there aren't actually i mean there are a lot of those but there aren't any sort of um there's no few people who really come to mind. Yeah. They're like, oh, because like I, I remember when Joss Whedon got the got the Avengers. I was very confident it was going to be good. Yeah. I just didn't know how big it was going to be in terms of like the people's. But I, did he do the first was, one mm-hmm. and the second one? Yeah. And the second one broke his brain because he had to do so much heavy lifting. Right. Isn't that the narrative? Well, and, and, and yeah, and there were definitely issues with like, so he had to do stuff to tie it into the greater story. Yeah. But it seemed like it was more about. I didn't see. I couldn't tell if it was like Kevin Feige and him were bumping heads, or was him and the higher ups, mm. or maybe like all three. 
but it seemed because it seemed like he was okay with the broader story and wanted to incorporate because he's again like he's a comic book nerd so he gets this he loves this this stuff but it seemed like it was more of people saying we want to see thor doing this thing to build to this thing and he was like but it doesn't fit and so it just yeah but i'm not sure how much that was actually kevin feige okay i just and remember so that talking about like having to insert wakanda stuff having to insert the pool of dreams where thor goes it was the, it was a pool of dreams that's really the big thing yeah and you're like and again, okay it, well now there's infinity stones all right you know and but but that was but like i think i don't think that's actually i mean that was very exciting people were very excited about yeah. that. yeah and i don't think joss wheaton was against that either like i a lot of people talked about when they reviewed gardens of the galaxy there were people saying like james gunn clearly doesn't care about all of the Thanos stuff because it's not, it's by far the least interesting part. And James Gunn was like, I was fine with it, having it in there. Mm. He totally understood and was, seemed to be pretty okay with it. When the and girl so, grabbed the rock and everything having to do with the rock or. No, but then when they like have this, they have this whole scene with like Thanos in the film because he's. Rec- oh, um, right. Yes, yes, yes. And people, because it, and it's a little, I mean, I would agree. It's a little out of place, <laughs> but it ties it back to the broader thing. And it seems like, like James Gunn's like, yeah, this is kind of like, they're a Marvel film. This is what they do. Yeah. It all ties together. And that's not like, it seems like that's not anyway. So it was, it was, it was to me, it kind of just dispelled a lot of those. And, and like also at Marvel, they've had a shit ton of bad luck. Like COVID wrecked a lot of stuff. Mm. Got the stuff with. That, oh gosh, I, I screwed up the the actor's name last week. You've got Chaz Bodwick dying. Ugh. You've got kind of like the round two thing of like you know they they've just had some bad luck, and so it um I don't know it's 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 a really fascinating book just to kind of see how how it all like how it all. And I think if they fix the Kevin Feige problem, if he's not stretched, I think a lot of these wrongs that they've experienced over the past five years will be righted. So, and then of course I'm reading the brothers Karmazov and I feel like there's one more book that I'm reading that I'm forgetting. Are you reading that reading, reading it or are you, uh, yeah, I'm reading, reading it. Yeah. I'm like with Bishop Barron. I sat down to try to read Dostoevsky's the idiot. Have you ever heard of the idiot? Mm-hmm. No, it really is a book called the idiot. <laughs> yes. Everyone knows it. Not everyone. I, that's like uh, never talked about. Are you joking? With Dostoevsky, says the brothers Karamazov and Crime and Punishment. No, I mean everyone who attended a high school English class has heard of has heard of the idiot. Listen, I went to a high school English class. Okay, did you? Yes, <laughs> and I memorized William Shakespeare's what? Julius Caesar. The whole thing. No, the frickin' Hello, Emily. So Hello, good Emily. to see you, <laughs> Luke. She's got the wrong link. <laughs> How did that? I shared yeah, the audio. We need one. to kill the studio. We need to create a whole new studio because it's the same link every time. So you accidentally uh, yeah, shared I don't it. Get it. <laughs> bye, oh, Emily. <laughs> bye, Emily. If that was my sister, I was just gonna say, just come and you know. Um, that's so funny. That would be awesome if it was your sister and she just had a Millhouse dad. <laughs> Peace. I'm out of here. That's it. That's all I wanted to do. Um, man, I feel like there's another book that I was reading. I was like, I can't wait. I want to talk about this on the podcast, but I forget. Are you reading is, anything so. on Audible? No, I, I don't. I'm not really in my car all that much to started to, to do that. I started book two of the Tower of Babel series that we had a long time ago. Oh yeah, I was remember. I was kind of like, you know, you like loved it, except it didn't no, I resolve. Didn't. I did not love it. Yeah, dude, I you should re-listen it. to I the book it. because or re-listen to the episode because you loved it, except the ending because it didn't resolve. Yes, and because really it was a part, it me. ruined the it retroactively ruined the whole experience. 
but yeah. I, I and I agree. I like. I really wish it did. But until I realized, oh, that's the whole point of the series. The whole series is him going to get his wife. You know, going up all the different parts of the Tower of Babel. So I started book two, and I got about four chapters in. I fell asleep so hard on the plane. I woke up, and each chapter is like thirty minutes long. I woke up in the middle of like chapter ten. I was in it. I, 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 I just. It was one of those things where you're like so out of it, groggy. But the this this. <laughs> steampunk english version of the tower of babel story is going through my head and it was as if i was dreaming it and i was like i gotta turn this crap off i gotta turn it off and go listen to some go listen to some uh fat rat or something like that to get out of my brain re-educate so funny i'm I'm trying to see what uh, that's um take a gander around your room look luke i called you look loki what is what what is happening (laughs) this is for everyone in the chat I was in my boxers doing a Zoom meeting one day, uh, was at my standing desk, forgot I was in my boxers, and I went to go grab a book off my bookshelf, and everyone in the Zoom call saw my ass in boxers. <laughs> Very sweaty man that day. It was 105 degrees here. It's not my fault. Gosh, it's so terrible. I literally have a fan under my desk. It's so few, and I was one of the Vortex fans. It's amazing. Oh, now Luke is leaving the building to go find his, uh, to jog. This is what ADHD does to you. He's leaving the building to find his lost book. Uh, do you have any principles you use to help discern whether to read or listen to books and podcasts versus choose silence? Uh, yeah, that's great. Usually when I do my morning walk, I try to walk. I'm like an Andrew Huberman fan, but not a fanatic. Um, I try to do morning Morning walks with my rucksack on, and that's generally silence in the rosary. If I'm walking in the afternoon, um, I try to break my mental, um, my brain goes in loops, and I try to end the mental loop thing. So what I do is I pick books, like all my sci-fi books are books that I generally speaking will read at night or when I'm doing things like the dishes. If I have to pay attention to stuff, that's when I'm in an airport, I'm at a plane. That's when I listen to podcasts. Like I just did. I have a friend whose daughter is being lost to Mormonism because uh, she's dating a very, uh, a, a very intense Mormon. And so I was invited. Over. Aren't they all? They many. Yeah. And uh, so I crushed five episodes of Joe Hirschmeyer's shameless potpourri on Mormonism because he did a five part, se- five part, six part series just so I could speak intelligently to her than I otherwise would have. And it equips you with the arguments. I didn't really, I really, it's just like, for me, Mormonism is just about confronting the, the historical foundations. And then you kind of go out from there, but yeah. So podcasts, like there are needs when I listen to podcasts, it's generally because I have needs that I want my guilty pleasure podcast. And I will stop anything. And everything that I'm listening to is cortex. Cortex is my favorite podcast of all time. I'm giving it that title. You really do love that podcast. I'm wearing the shirt. <laughs> I just realized I was I'm wearing the shirt. House of R. I like House of R. That's a cool. It's it's basically it's what binge mode became after the one guy left the ringer. They do deep dives on stuff. Clark wrote a question in the chat. Do you have any principles you use to help discern whether to read or listen to books, podcast, choose silence versus oh, choose yeah. silence? I like that. So right now, I uh, like the bulk of my book reading that's not grad school is, is just a palate cleanser so i'm not um, finishing anything so i was like what books am i reading i picked five different books so uh one's called um 
It is uh, called Friends Divided by Gordon S. Wood, my favorite historian. You've heard me talk about oh, him yeah, yeah. before on the podcast. He's, he has a book on the friendship and the relationship of Thomas Adams, Thomas Adams, Ooh. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. It's not his Wasn't best that book, book called Friendship is Magic? <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, 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 no. It's a little heavy on the John Adams stuff, and he doesn't – I wish he – did more to dwell into like the relationship between the two as opposed to their opinion on it's more about their thoughts on different issues. Oh, okay. And so it's a, it's not his best book, but it's inter- like when he gets into kind of how they were back and forth about how, like where they, how they interacted with each other and their thoughts about different issues. That's the best part. But a lot of it is him just going through, here's this thing. This is what they both thought. Here's how they came to that con- conclusion. Here's where they overlapped or here's where they interacted about it. I'm like, ah, all I care about is the interaction. Just tell me how, how like that's what's more interesting to me. So it's 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 if you like the stuff, it's good. Not his best work. There's a book I was from. I forget the name of it, but the podcast with the one uh, one teacher that I desperately want to have on the podcast because she's so smart and so great. She's the philosophy professor or something. Oh yeah, uh, Dr. Jennifer Frey. Yep, and the only reason I want to have her on because she's so smart. Oh, man, I, if a, only there was a podcast that had her on and interviewed her i know i uh, know did you tell her about my crush i did and she's the one i accidentally showed my butt to because i was in my boxers when we were recording she saw so, your butt she didn't see my butt but i was in my I, I couldn't remember who was on the call with me and i was like should we be so lucky <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm right now okay yeah so it was awesome interview uh, with her i have such a crush on her i'm not i'm not gonna hide it anymore <laughs> I can't She's fight these feelings anymore. I really do. Like, <laughs> she's just like, I just want to talk about English, like just books with her for hours. Like, you're just so smart. I know. I know. Yeah. And, and very pretty. And she's, <laughs> and she's at the University of Tulsa. She's running their, um, yeah. their honors program there. After so she mocking does, the school mercilessly <laughs> right? for years. She's this guy on his name is like, it's Randy Boyagata. I forget. I don't know how to how to pronounce it, but he's got a book called it's uh, called Original Print, and it's somewhat inspired by Dante, I guess. And it, it seems pretty good, but the book I got like a used um, copy, and someone like wrote all over it, uh, so it's kind of throwing me off. Well, so show me the just, cover. Can I see the cover? Original Print. I, I really want to get. Yeah, I believe he's a Catholic author, so I really want to get. It's, it's not like a Catholic book, but he's just yeah. a Catholic who is writing this. I really want to get more into like modern fiction. And so I used to love essays and short stories. I, I still do. Yeah. So I want to, and of course I'm still doing the point. There's a culture of like narcissism, great. which we still need to do a whole, whole episode about. Oh yeah. Um, our great Patreon people got me a book last, you remember bought a bunch of gifts last Christmas. So it was fun. so great. Yeah. So great. They've got me a book called hero of the empire. Uh, it's a, it's a, about Winston, Churchill and basically how he escaped from like he was a POW in South Africa in 1899. Well, I didn't know that. So it's about that. Yeah, it's re- it's really really good. And then I have another Gordon S. Wood book that's really I'm fascinating. It is uh called Revolutionary Characters and it's what made the founders different. He's just going to like what and like cuz they were a group that knew they were special. Yeah. And they knew that like and they're like what made these guys so special. So it's really fast. It's just I I love the kind of crap um so anyways yeah that's like what i'm not being like what does this what did this once what did this one study find out about why do like why are like um 
Actually, so here's the fascinating fact of the stuff that I am learning. They found through this one research that basically the more you, the less you spend on overhead, the more, uh, the more likely your nonprofit is to close. But it's basically like you. So to the point where and I'm, you won't be able to um, see it right here. But then when you spend too much, you're also, you're also, really, you're the odds of you having to dissolve are ex- are extremely high. So there's like a there is a sweet spot right in there. That's where you want to exist. Looks like a half pipe if you were a skater. Exactly. Anyways, that's the kind of crap that I've been into. Um, and it's also true for how much you spend on fundraising. And then uh, they found a direct correlation b- between that. So, um, there's one more. That's interesting. I, I just think that's interesting because if you spend mm-hmm. too less on overhead, it it seems like you're valuing like these might be mental habits of evaluating costs and performance and you're you're cheaping out so you're not really getting people what they need in order to execute their job well and then on mm-hmm. the other side then you hit that sweet spot where you got your people and they're supported and their needs are met you know whatever but then you go beyond it where you think that you'll get more from your people if you give them too much and you you're actually probably over you're overshooting the people um and what they need by by the I, i'm thinking of like specific budgets like that's so fascinating when you think mm-hmm. about uh I, see this is the thing of like having these big data analysis stuff that yields patterns and you're like what is mm-hmm. here this is well, so cool <laughs> really a fascinating about this too is there's a thing in um i don't know if it's like a micro or if it's like a macro um economics but and I, I don't know if there's a correlation between these two, two things or, or or like not so they are your long range total average cost where if you view all of your, all of your cost as like because in the long run they are all like variable cost you don't have to do any of this so if you start to average out your total cost then over time you get the exact same type of au and you can actually track this is when your production like actually slows down mm. and you're not producing as much with what you are with what you are getting. And so it's it's the exact it's I mean it's not the exact same kind of but it's like a very almost it's so basically like you spend like we're at, so on point A right here this this great <laughs> podcasting you are spending a lot and you're not getting like a huge return and then or sorry you aren't spending that much and you're not getting a very big re- what is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn You're underspending. Yeah, because so then what's? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to remember what's on the Y axis. I forget, but um, I think it's your returns or something. I don't know. I forget. <laughs> it is late. Um, it is late, and you yeah, do have your daughter. So sorry, <laughs> but then but then you get to like point. So and then you get to point B, and it's like you're spending too much, but you're not getting returns. Mm-hmm. So because you're just, it's just you, you're getting a, you're getting like diminishing returns, and you can start to like map out and see. Well, here's where the growth or like your cost, your cost will then be declining, but they start to decline by not that much. These are your like average total cost. And then slowly they will start to like increase. Mm. And so it's just, it's, I think it's really, really fascinating how you see this like decline, uh, like decline. And then it's where they're like not decreasing by too much. And they're in your like total average cost is pretty, it's, it's for like one more output. Right. 
that's kind of your sweet spot and you're you are basically maximizing your product your productivity gotcha and then once your costs then start to go back up or they would then de- i guess they would be declining or something i, I forget <laughs> I, it's late i'm very sorry I, and i don't know if like that's related to you know overhead or not but I, I just think it's fascinating that we'd be able to kind of check, okay, we can kind of see like how are we actually being productive? Because like there are times when your productivity will decline, but you do it because then you're going to, it's going to increase, mm. right? Or you're going to hit a spot where you're like actually like even though your costs are going up, they're going to then get to a point where you're fixed. Like you'll actually be – this is where it gets – to me, this is the kind of shit that I just think is like so interesting. Your – total cost might be increasing but the actual like average like variable cost is deep for one more output is decreasing because you're being productive Mm. so you and like what causes that typically is specialization so view it as like if you're cleaning up your house if you were to clean if you were to track how many if you were to clean up all of all of the houses on your block but they only were going to track how many of the kitchens did you clean if you clean the other rooms you're going to clean less of the kitchens on your block if you just clean the kitchens you're going to clean you'll you'll have a better output because you are because you are specialized and so what you and and then what you then i'm seeing is like your cost for each one like like variable cost for each more output goes down because you are increasing your out your output. So your outcomes are better, mm-hmm. but then you get to a point where you don't have the return. Cause you can only clean X amount of houses before you get tired yeah. on the block. Then you got to walk over, you know, like think about it that way. And then, I don't know how in the hell you would apply this to church work, but it is interesting. Not everyone that listens like, to us is in church work. So it's true. It's true. It's true. But like, I, I think it goes to like, the and this is one of the things that's like really tough about like right now is that like you either grow or you die right and the only way to grow is is through you have to be very specialized in what you do and you then also have to innovate yeah so or it's both in like what a Costco will do is they're going to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again but they're they're going to trade exponential growth for long term stability so Costco is going to grow by ten percent when we are eighty. They're never going to get a 2x return, but you know who's not going to be around when we are like 80, half the tech companies that we think are cool. But Costco will. Yeah. Make that money, baby. So it's, it's just, those are our, like the trails. I, I just find this stuff to be mm-hmm. fascinating. Amen. So, well, Luke, I also, this episode's going to come out on Tuesday, probably. So I just want to say mm-hmm. happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Yeah. I'll be uh, at my in laws. We're flying on Sunday morning. Flying the whole family. Michael, how do you afford that? Airline miles. From all my traveling. So, yeah. You just love saying that, don't you? Love saying what? Airline miles? Yeah. Well, I love that I did not pay 3000 It would have cost us $3,000. <laughs> that's a big deal. That's uh, great. Yeah. I mean, how insane is that? It was 2700 something like that. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's either that or 14 hours with my kids. I mean, driving. <laughs> So wonderfully. <laughs> no, but I mean the the fact that you were able to save three thousand dollars by doing that, that's incredible. Yeah. That's that's incredible. And this is the second set of flights. I sent my family up without me because I had an event somewhere else. I can't remember why. It was something it was some something happened. Um, but I sent them up and they all went, and now I'm going up all on airline miles. It's crazy. So 
so close to platinum. That'll be fun. So close to platinum. Dude, just come out here like sometime in December. I'll I'll give you a good weekend. Uh, You'll make it worth my while. As in the date. It's like, here's a good weekend that works. It'll be boring. But like, we'll just watch Fargo and, you know, have intentions of doing stuff and not really do much. But I just kind of hang out. (laughs) Which like. Oh, really quick uh, for Nat. Nat, here's how you uh, here's how you uh, manage people. One, start like start with empathy. Uh, really, just be empathetic with your team. It's best if you guys can just find like suffer together. That really builds bonds. Also, if you um, have like a common enemy, uh, two, really try to be aware of like your own um, need for growth. Just like be humble. And three, you need to have strong alignment with what you're doing. And if you don't have that, give yourself a goal. Give your team some type of a metric that your team is going to be judged by that they can get kind of excited about. Sorry, she had a, she had a question about how to like yeah. how to I'll manage a team. I wanted to get to that. Yeah. So Nat, I hope that's helpful. My management advice is find out what makes them tick and use that against them. That's the empathy. <laughs> hey, I hear you really like going hiking on the weekends. Well, if you don't do what I tell you now, I'm going to take away your weekends. Sorry, Billy. It's the dark side of empathy. Dun, dun, yeah. We're going to need you to come in on Saturday <laughs> and yeah. Sunday. We're going to get caught up on work. Yeah. I love that line from Merlin, man. Most people stay in companies even when the pay is bad because of culture. And when people leave companies, they say it's money, but bad culture is what made that money matter more than it should have. I was like, yeah, yeah. If you got a good organization and, and you can pay your bills, like most people would rather have a great boss and a great organ, a healthy organization than to max out the salary and if they had a really terrible work environment but great salary many people would leave that job in fact that that organization i was talking about it uh, earlier it was shocked me because a person is going to a a job that she said it was the worst place i've ever worked she's going back to that job and she's going back because she said it's now the second worst place I've ever worked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh, that's so tough. It, like sometimes that you know, like the grass is not always greener. Yeah, I, I truly like I. It's funny now. I have a, I, I never really could have told like up until a certain year. I'm gonna tell you what. I couldn't tell you what the what the worst place I worked at was. Now I have a definitive answer. Again, it's not my current job. Yeah. Boy, do I want to say who it is, but I'm not. Like, nor is it Glenn Mary. It just, that place, it just, it was terrible. And it was terrible. It was terrible. And it, it, it kills you. Yeah. It, it kills you. Would you, would you help assess parishes on their fundraising? Is that a thing you feel mm-hmm. strong that you could do? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you have this is your initiative. This is this. This is what I recommend you should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would mm-hmm. be great. I think parents should, should think about it. Someone in the comments, Beth and Julie, made a comment about assessing where she works. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, like your parish. Oh, oh, yeah. Beth said they're starting to start fundraising to renovate the rectory. There are so many parishes that don't, yeah, like, I use literally when I, you would tell me, like, what you're learning at Notre Dame. I would send it to our development guy. And he's like, oh, this stuff's great. <laughs> like, 
I mean, the stuff's out there. It's just like a lot of people, like the advice that you gave me in a 10 minute phone conversation that we had, because uh, I was going to talk with our development guy as I travel around with that man as you guys, you know, I was, I want to be on the same page with him. And you were like, whoa, 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 do not do these things. And I'm like, oh, this is great advice. I mean, I'm not, I'm not there to do a fundraise. I'm just there to say hi, but it, it is amazing. Like, no, there really are principles that you really need to follow that you could really screw it up. If, well, if you're only, and, yeah, and it's tough. Contact. Yeah. And, and one of the things that's like, that's, that's super tough for the church right, right now with, with this stuff is I wish it could be, if you build it, they will come. And if you ask, they will get, Yeah, it. it's not at all. I wish yeah. I honestly don't know if it's a good thing that it's not that anymore. Right. right. You know, it'd make everyone's lives a lot easier. Yeah. You know, and I keep thinking about that Timoth- Reverend Timothy Keller article on the growth of the church. And he just said, he, he just offhanded comment. He's like the smallest Protestant churches, like 10 families. And he's like, you know, most of those type of churches don't have a full-time pastor. Although 10 families, if they were serious about tithing, could support a pastor full-time. And I was like, what? Ten families? We have a thousand families and can't even support the church. Now, obviously, the building and the oh, we got a school that was built in the sixties, and so it's leaking air and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, good lord, when people give and it doesn't get siphoned off and taxed and moved around and all that stuff, like you can really do something. I think ten's a little bit low. Like those are probably ten people if they're all making um six figures. And yes, like. But I think point taken, like it's not that much higher. Yeah. I was just doing some mental math. Like it's just not. I don't think it's that. Much. I, 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 I again, like I think he's right. Like I think ten to ten to twelve or thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, I bet you. I bet. Like, yeah, definitely fifteen. Definitely fifteen. Man, Man. definitely fifteen. I, you know, I, I shudder to think what the local church could do with being fully stocked, rocked with all of its money, and then I also shudder to see what the local church would end up doing. If it had a lot of money, you're like, hey, we're going to, oh, oh, that's where it went. Okay. So everyone's going to Italy. Oh, no, just you. Blackjack and hookers? Uh, No. uh, Elton John movies? (laughs) Elton John biopics? Why not? (laughs) Oh, my. That's that's so, like, I'm like, what? What? (laughs) Like, I'm also kind of like, oh, I'm not opposed to, to like, the the funds I give to the Vatican going to make an Elton John film if you were, like, gun to my head. Like, but, like, just kind of (laughs) shocked. Listen, listen, all I'm never asking saw. is, when the Dave Matthews Band biopic comes out, yeah. can the church principally be the sponsor for that as well? The most boring biopic ever. Man, that's the entrance. Need, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luke's in oh, his happy man. place. All right, Luke, we got to wrap this show up. Do we? Yeah. I mean, I'm on a roll. Are you? I mean, no, but I'm just having fun. Yeah, me too. I like the fact that we they have know, an audience. We got seven people, and they're all classic. I know we do. I do. I'm like, so let me tell you about this other thing. No, I, I do think it would be fun to like. I actually think you and me could do some interesting stuff. What if we did? We called it the Tuttle Twins. This time it's personal, <laughs> and we just went for it. This time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> man. I'm going to let you go because. Well, YouTube isn't going to watch itself. You watching anything fun on YouTube lately? I was into. Did I talk about the airstream stuff? Yeah. Okay. I mean, did I talk about it on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People in the yeah, chat we talked about it. I did. Yeah. Oh, Gomer, so good. I I just I literally I, I literally spent like wanted, an hour on on different websites looking them up, and I'm like, Gormley, stop it! Luke does not I deserve a twenty to be foot base camp. So what? 
uh, yeah, I want one badly, like, like, really badly. They're so great. They're so great. I want one so badly. It just seems so. I don't. I don't know, like. I don't go camping. I don't like these things. Are talking about all the fun stuff that they go do once they camp. I'm like, like what? Like I just want to have an airstream and go and hang out. Yeah. I, I, I want to take my airstream and then go to your house and then hang out. Do you know how many kayaks I've been in that have sunk? All of them. Yeah, my favorite like, picture oh. is me on a kayak with Katiri. She's in the very front, and it's a long kayak, and I'm in the very back, and she is at least three feet out of the water. <laughs> and we got stuck on a sandbar, and I was like, I'll just stand up and carry it. <laughs> and it goes straight down as soon as I get out. <laughs> it's why I just hate camping. People- <laughs> I hate like I hate canoeing because I'm just yeah. Oh, it's so fun. Dang it. I had something. Oh, great YouTube series. This has kept kept me intrigued the whole time. DIY wife. We watch it. We watch it. It's like a treat for us. Friday, Saturday. DIY wife. This is a video about my DIY wife and her non-handy husband. Classy. <laughs> that's that's the little tagline for the show. So oh my fun. god. Caleb Hammer's financial audits on YouTube are awesome. Oh my gosh, they are so uncomfortable. Beth just wrote that. They are so uncomfortable. You understand that you do not have enough money to live. Not buying new hats, not doing this. You have maxed out your credit. You understand this. Please tell me you understand. Please. I'm I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to tell you do you understand? Maybe. <laughs> um well it's actually really interesting. Like one reason why people aren't giving right now, like they're seeing people's like individual giving, not the amount, but just the people who are giving, the number is declining. Yeah. Which has never happened before. It started to happen like 2019, I think, Ooh. or so, or 2020. Just and inflation's making it worse, and as is credit card debt. Yeah. So we're all we're in for a great. The 2020 is going to be great. Also, I'm enjoying Screen Crush's analysis on like just TV and movies. Screen Crush mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yeah, it's a little it's it's a little annoying. Some of like they do a lot of they have their own merch and other stuff they they bring up a lot but i actually really like their like analysis and some of their like all i enjoy a good like here's a theory about this show oh yeah okay i know what you're talking about yeah i just hopped on hopped on the old youtube have you ever watched the boys yes i can't i love it so it's okay it's way too nihilistic yeah it's and it, it just i can't i can't handle it i knew it would be super dark so the sex and stuff is a bit much I, too. I I know I've never watched an actual episode. I knew it would be super dark, so I've watched like YouTube clips of like I'll w- watch mm-hmm. a summary of episode yeah. one, two, and three, and it is so gory mm-hmm. and hideous. I'm like, <laughs> nope, I'm out. Good day, sir. So I've never seen when that. it's good. It is flipping wonderful. Yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> there it's been a, around. It has such a cult following, but. And then There's they made a cartoon scene with, Invincible. Have you heard of that? It's like the same thing. Yeah, I've heard. Of, yeah, I, I just like I'm. I don't. This kind of this is where my I channel my inner David. I'm on the Foster Wallace. It's like we don't have to deconstruct or like be like. Well, really, if they they really existed, they'd be terrible yeah. um, people. It's like, yeah, well, no shit. These films are about people who are terrible people who are trying to be better. Yeah. And they're rated PG and PG thirteen. <laughs> Like it doesn't need to be dark and like you know I don't need to see what a real Superman w- would look like. It'd be terrifying. It's about a man trying to be good. Yeah, 
that. Anyways, I just, but like, let's go. When it's good, it's so good. They drive a boat through a whale. <laughs> it's incredible. Drive a boat through a whale. It's, and like, there's this one character who can like communicate with the fish. <laughs> and he gets this car crash. He, he tries to save a dolphin. Yeah. And he gets to this car crash and he like slow mo the, like the dolphin flying by him and like staring at him. Going like, and then like shoots out the window and dies. <laughs> so funny. But like, I like. So it's entitled like, The Whale Scene. It's crazy. It's crazy. Versus a giant sperm whale called Lucy. <laughs> All right, I'm going to watch this today. It's, I want to see a reaction. You want? Okay, so I'll, I'll just push play then. <laughs> like, don't let your kids see any of this or be able to access. Like, it's really bad, this show. I do not recommend it. I think it is wrong to watch it. But Who's riding the whale? I don't even remember. It may be the guy who can control, like, communicate with aquatic animals. So the, the knockoff Aquaman? Yes. Yeah. Like, when they did this, I could not believe that they did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, I remember watching that episode be like, no. No. Oh, he's coming out of the whale. Oh, that's gross. I know. Oh, they're all coming out. Yeah. But, like, just honestly, f- for me in that show, it's not even, like, just, like, the rampant, like, it, um, immorality. Yeah. As much of a drag as that is, it's, it the is nihilism. the nihilism. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I just, I just, oh, oh, this is what I wanted to, I'm a, I want to talk about. Can we just spend five minutes on just, like, sure. one more thing? Sure. Okay. So we really encourage you on on catching foxes to have a buddy who like helps to keep your stuff in check. Which are like I'm looking at your your computers. I can see your 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 stuff. Me? No, like on the show we encourage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That. We, we think it's at great. first I thought so, you said we encourage um, it, and then I thought you were switching over, being like such as like right now because I can see that you're. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's, I'm looking at no, you. It's like so. Gomer's mine. And uh, on Saturday at nine twenty three, I get a text that says, "Why are you looking at boy genius Satanist lyrics?" Yeah, yeah. My accountability <laughs> buddy. What did you think when you saw that? Well, I, I knew I didn't know what. Did boy- you see my text about the band yeah. before with our group? No, account? no, I didn't. Um. Oh, okay, okay. That's what. So I, I knew to I have heard of Boy Genius before, so I knew it was some like known thing. But I'm just like, I love Luke is so really much. doing a deep dive on something with Satanists, and <laughs> I don't understand why. So I'm like, and ever all of it is red flagged out the wazoo. And so the whole song, it's, and I was like, I was like, no, I have a. This is what it's about. It's a. It's really interesting. Each each singer takes a different per a different perspective. One is a Satanist. One is a one is I, I wrote anti capitalist, but it's actually an anarchist, and the other is like is a like nihilist. Each of the band members, they all almost sing a different part, and they all join at 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 the end. And it's the part where basically it explains how taking extreme extreme like views like that actually alienates you from other individuals. And I was like. Hmm, what a great song and a great point. And I am obsessed with this band, Gomer. I am obsessed with them so much. You might as well just call me a Gen Z queer because like that's how much I love them. Is that is that their and target audience? Their audience is. It's very it's very like 
well, because like it's got the girl Julian Backer, who's the uh, Christian queer uh, slash Christian like socialist that I love. Then it uh, has like Phoebe Bridges and then someone named Lucy Duncan. I, I've I've heard those other girls too stuff, and it's really really great. I, I think this is one of the best bands I have ever heard. Mm. I'm I'm not even kidding. Like, that's not me being hyperbolic. Like it is legit. They are wonderful, and they are not okay. And we should pray for them. But they are the like, kids are not all right. <laughs> they are not okay. Like when you read like what some of these songs are about, I'm like, are do you need a hug? <laughs> <laughs> do you need to you just like do you just need a hug because i'm here for I, you i can give you a hug yeah, yeah. Wait. okay well i'll have to check them out slowly so fit it somewhere in between my space sci-fi <laughs> novels slowly dude i'm telling you you know what happens is all my sci-fi books coming out between now and mid-december you won't see me just kidding i'll i'll be everywhere talking about them <laughs> we're all fine uh, audiobooks are sold all right it's late what's my thighs all right, bye everyone. Thank you to the Good Egg Fund for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you for hanging out with us. See you guys. Have a good thanks Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. The week, yeah. It's what is wrong with me? All right, stopping in three, two, bye guys, one. Bye, Matt.